0: I'll discuss how I'll tackle some of the toughest fiscal issues, like caring for migrants and a structural deficit in next week's budget speech.
1: Revenue isn't um, supporting spending demands for the state.
0: Hi there, it's WAMC News Director Ian Pickus. And on this episode of the WAMC News Podcast, what we talk about when we talk about budget shortfalls. On Tuesday, New York Governor Kathy Hochul will outline her budget proposal for the next fiscal year. And the plan will be closely watched by members of both parties in Albany since it comes with the state facing a $4 billion gap. So it's up to all of us to make the hard yet necessary decisions and use taxpayer dollars creatively and responsibly. I'll discuss how I'll tackle some of the toughest fiscal issues like caring for migrants and a structural deficit in next week's budget speech. As it turns out, New York State is not uncommon in this respect. According to a new analysis from the Pew Charitable Trusts, about half of Americans live in states with budget gaps, long-term deficits, or both. There are many reasons why. And joining us now to break it down is Josh Goodman, Senior Officer for State Fiscal Health with Pew. Thank you for being here.
1: Yep, my pleasure, happy to talk to you.
0: So it may be an obvious question, but how do these deficits and shortfalls happen?
1: Yeah, so there there are a couple factors really driving uh, the deficits. Um, And I think it's helpful to start by just kind of looking back a few years. And so at the very beginning of the pandemic, You know, state tax revenue was devastated. Businesses were closing down. People were working less. But then, pretty quickly, states had these incredible budget surpluses. Um, The federal government was giving lots of aid um, directly to state governments and also to individuals who were then, you know, spending more in the economy. And and that was um, increasing state tax revenue. What we have happening now is kind of a normalization of fiscal conditions where that federal aid is going away. You know, the economy is held up pretty well, but it isn't booming like it was. And so um, that's sort of leading to, you know, the end of these incredible surpluses that the states had. Now, over those last few years with the surpluses, states also, um, you know, they weren't just sitting on their hands. In many cases, they increased spending. Um, they had big demands for um, increased spending. And they, um, in, in many cases, cut taxes as well. So if you have, less revenue from lower taxes, if you have higher spending um, because you adopted new programs or raised wages for your state workers, um, that is what sets up the potential for budget gaps.
0: What's the difference between a long-term deficit and a short-term budget gap?
1: Yeah. Um, So states always have some years um, where Revenue doesn't come in that strong, maybe because of a recession, maybe because of some other factor, um, and or um, where there's something with spending, maybe there's a natural disaster they have to spend more, and so that's where you get a short-term budget cap from. Um, but um, if chronically revenue is coming in short of spending demands, that's uh, what what's a structural deficit, a long-term. Uh, deficit, and so um, you heard the governor um, in in New York referring to you know this is a structural situation. When New York looks out several years, um, they show you know deficits in each of those years, uh, and that's a sign that over the long term, um, revenue isn't um, supporting spending demands for the state.
0: Are there certain states that are in worse shape than others in this rate? Yeah,
1: so I think the states that have. Um, Some problems right now. You can sort of put them into a couple different categories. Um, Some of these states are states that had chronic budget problems, you know, before the pandemic, and um, that often were having deficits. And um, you know, the pandemic um, then, when states received all that money from the federal government, it sort of masked their problems temporarily, but they never really went away. Um, And so, New York, you could probably put in that group. New York. It's pretty typical for the state to report long term deficits. Um, we have data that shows going back 15 years, um, you know, the balance between revenue and spending. And New York is one of nine states where um, spending has exceeded revenue over that long term um, time period. And so, um, you know, other states such as Illinois, Alaska, New Jersey are, are sort of in that group. You also have these other states where. It is a newer situation, and it's maybe more what they did during the pandemic in terms of um, increasing spending and cutting taxes, that that's kind of their problem now. So the problems – there are different sort of groups of problems, um, but um, you know the severity sort of varies from state to state.
0: So this analysis makes the point that it can be difficult to measure the things you're talking about because states all have their own separate reporting processes, and furthermore, a lot of it depends on the timeline that you're measuring. The reason I bring that up is in recent days, Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey has started proposing $375 million in budget cuts uh, to make up for a billion-dollar current spending gap. Um, So the question is, when we're zooming in on states that have the problems you're identifying, what is an appropriate timeline to measure by?
1: Yeah. So um, we encourage states to look out at least three years into the future. And that's kind of a minimum. Um, And the reason to do that is, um, you know, to identify those structural deficits we talked about earlier that unless you're looking out longer term you can't say really say is this a temporary problem or is this something where we need to make permanent changes to get revenue and spending back um into balance and um in in many cases three years isn't even necessarily enough states states should be thinking about you know what are the policies, policies we've adopted? If states have adopted a tax cut that's phased in over five years, then they should look you know, beyond that five years to say, well, will the budget be balanced after we fully phase in this tax cut?
0: Yeah, so isn't part of this just human nature and the nature of our politics? You have somebody who, you know, might be in charge of policy for a four-year term making proposals that don't come due for maybe eight years. So, I mean, it it's tempting mm-hmm. to kick the can down the road, isn't it?
1: Uh, certainly, that's something we see across the state. One thing um, in our research that has been gratifying to see, though, is um, when states have this good data on sort of their long-term budget picture, they use it um, to make policy decisions. Um, A great example of this was in New Mexico. Um, New Mexico is a state that's done really well the last couple of years. They've had large budget surpluses. But they did an analysis that said, um, you know, once oil production, uh, oil and gas production declines in our state, which we expect to happen, you know, over the next coming decades, we're going to have a, a big budget problem. And so, with their surplus they had, part of what they did is they put some of that money into endowments and trust funds that will um, generate revenue over the long term. So, they said, We're not going to spend all this money right now. Um, You know, we care about the future of our state. We want, you know, our goals to be achieved not just right now, but into the future. And so, um, I, I think. The starting point for getting um, policymakers to have a long-term perspective is giving them the data that they need um, to be able to take that longer-term perspective.
0: Let me ask you a cynical question, Josh. The pandemic obviously was not foreseen, and it was a tremendous shock to budget writers, no question about it. But uh, they were rescued. I mean, it's literally in the name. Um, So when states found themselves in an emergency Uh, Not only did a federal bailout come through, but as you mentioned, in many cases, it brought states uh, to a position of being flush in a way that they wouldn't have been otherwise. So do you think that has changed the dynamic in terms of long term planning, you know, knowing that there might be a safety net?
1: Yeah, um, certainly, you know, that's been an important role of the federal government, not just with the pandemic, but with the Great Recession, um, going back to the dot-com bust. So really, the last three recessions we've had, um, the federal government has come to aid states. And, and part of the reason for that is the federal government has, you know, can um, uh, take on debt in a way that state governments can't. And so it, it's sort of an, a natural role for them. I'd sort of spin it a different way where – um, I think it's a big open question for states if there was a recession in 2024, would the federal government come to help them? There's certainly been a lot of um, sort of uh, uh, maybe backlash against the amount of aid that was given to states. There's questions um, in Congress about you know whether that was the right decision or not and whether it was the right decision or not. Um, I don't think s- state policymakers can be assuming that when there is another recession, when there is another crisis, Um, the federal government will come to their aid, um, and certainly not to the same degree necessarily.
0: Josh Goodman is Senior Officer for State Fiscal Health with the Pew Charitable Trust. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. We appreciate your insight.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure.
0: Okay, that does it for this episode of the WAMC News Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Ian Pickus.